tell you what, this is a good year. What a morning. I tell you what, uh, everything that Andrew and Julie have been saying so far this morning is exactly what I uh, am, am feeling in my spirit uh, so far this morning for the message that I've got for you as well. Um, you know what, this is going to be a good year. News just in, uh, SG Youth is going to be starting back uh, next week uh, with a team meeting. Uh, so the youth will kick off in, in two weeks, but next week, I uh, just found out Christian McCudden will be coming down on Friday night and he's going to come speak to the youth. He's going to pray over all the team uh, and it's just going to be a great night to launch the year, start the year before we kick off uh, with, a, with a launch on the 4th of February, which is going to be a great time. So if uh, bring your friends, young people. If you've got uh, children that are you know, high school age, bring them along, send them along, get them out of your hair for a while because we, we love having them here on a Friday night. Um, I want to share with you this morning a message that has really been stirring in my spirit for probably over two years now. Uh, and as I was praying when I was away uh, about this message, I thought, you know, I was thinking, what is it? What's going on for C3 Tugra at the beginning of 2011? I felt now is the time to share that with you. And I want to take you on a short journey uh, with Moses uh, towards the promised land this morning. Um, I think there's no better analogy of our Christian walk than of Israel coming out of Egypt, right? And uh, I just want to share a few things about that. But first, there's something I need to, um, you to understand before we, we get into that journey. Uh, Isaiah 61 verse 1 says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners got to understand right here that this verse describes two types of absences of freedom. Okay, the first one is this, prisoners. Being in prison is a great analogy of being in Egypt. Okay, so being in Egypt is a place of oppression. It's a place where Israel was being kept and and, uh, oppressed and just you know, uh, kept in bondage. And that's sort of like what we're like when, um, when we, before we get saved, before we meet Christ, we're in complete oppression. We have no freedom in our world uh, because freedom comes with Christ. It's, it's, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, right? And so uh, while we're in Egypt, we're prisoners. Um, the good news is about this, it's a really short journey out of there. It might take one prayer. It might take saying, Jesus... Your Lord, save me. And bam, in an instant, you're out of that prison. might be like the uh, alcoholic who comes and stands on the altar and says, uh, God, set me free. And bam, all of a sudden, there's stories of deliverance and breakthrough and, and it's all great and wow, I can't, I can't believe what happened. Jesus changed my world. However, often the place we come to is, what it, is the second thing it talks about there, which is Captivity. In captivity is a great analogy of being in the wilderness for the children of Israel. While you're out of direct oppression, while you're out of that direct you know, um, uh, um, prison of being under the influence of the powers of darkness, you're still in that land. There's still old mindsets that need to shift. There's still changes that need to be, um, to be, to be uh, 
happening within your inner man. So uh, Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which isn't a quick journey. This is a process. It's a journey that, that, that takes a, you know, that you're we're, you know, on, always on in some ways, but uh, moving into our promised land. But in the wilderness there, uh, it's a place of firstly doubt. It's a place of relying on God to do absolutely everything. It's a place where the children of Israel still say, why don't we go back to Egypt? Why did you bring us up out of here? We have no food. We have no water. It'd be better for us to go back to Egypt. At least we had food there. It's still a place of doubt. And that's why I think so many Christians who are still in this place of the wilderness say, let's go back to Egypt. That's why young people come and they come, they get saved and they go, Jesus, yeah, it's great. And then all of a sudden a challenge comes and they say, blow this, I'm out of here. I'm going back to, back to the world. I'm going back to Egypt. Secondly, it's a place of fear. It's a place of fear. You know, the very reason that God took the Israelites from Egypt via the wilderness to the Promised Land and not straight there was because it says, in case they feared, in case they saw battle and they had to fight and they feared and went back to Egypt. So secondly, it's a place of fear. It's a place of overcoming. Because in this place still, there's still victory. There's still, um, you know, there's still victory in God. There's still breakthrough. There's still growth. There's still this, this journey that we're going on so we can enter our promised land. And you know what? That song that we sang first this morning, um, My Best Life, that is for me what the promised land is. It's your best life. It's you being in the place of absolute freedom, absolute liberty, absolute provision, absolute breakthrough, absolute transformation in your world without the limitations of fear and doubt. Your best life. And that's what I want to share with you about this morning, is your best life. Because I really believe that 2011 is the year of your best life. That is the catch cry of our movement. That is the C3 catch cry that says, your best life. That's what we're about as a church here at C3 Tugra. That's what we're about as a, as a movement of churches, 250 churches worldwide as C3 uh, International. That's what we're about, is seeing people set free into their best life. And you know, there's nothing worse than seeing a Christian living in this realm painful. That's what makes people want to give up. That's what gets you tired in your brain. That's what gets you sick in your heart. Living in the wilderness for too long, in a place of fear, doubt, bondage, still in that land, in that old, that, with that land of old mindsets. We need to be living in this realm. We need to be on a journey towards it. There's nothing that makes me more excited than seeing a Christian who is on the journey to the promised land. And uh, I want to share with you uh, this morning, by looking at the life of Moses, how, do you, how you do that? I'm going to share with you about the one key ingredient that you need to enter the promised land and that is spirit of faith this morning. Can you say it's spirit of faith? Excellent. Why don't you turn to Numbers 20, uh, verse 8 to 13. And this is uh, the story of Moses who grieves me. It grieves me, this, this passage right here. And I think uh, we are so... I think if, we, if you just read this passage alone, then you'll get a completely wrong idea of what's going on here. And I want to help you understand this morning a little bit about what is actually going on in the lead up to this passage to see why the man who put up with the children of Israel for so long, who went down, led them out of Egypt, got to this point and got told he wasn't going to be the one to bring them into the land. So read with me um, the numbers. It's up there if you don't have your uh, Bible or your iPhone or your iPad. It's on the screens. Uh, Verse 8 to 13. It says this, Take the staff, take the staff, 
and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock. Take the staff, speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him and he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out in the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I will give them. And if you read that passage and you look at that and you go, What? Moses was such a good guy. What a, he, he did so much and he, and he was so faithful and he was so... Um, you know, eventually willing. <laughs> and it took a while, as we'll see. And then you read that and you say, but surely, you know, if I were Moses, I would have probably hit the Israelites rather than the rock. You know, I would have used that staff on them. They, they whinge constantly. Every, every time it got hard, they, you know, they come out of the Red Sea and, and all of a sudden it gets hard. And they, oh, God, take us back to Egypt. And then another thing happens. God, take us back to Egypt. Oh, Moses, what are you doing? You, you, you're ruining it. You blew it. Let me go back to Egypt at least. You know, it would have been painful for 40 years, near 40 years, listening to them whinge and complain. And so here's Moses, and, and God says, take the staff, but speak to the rock. And Moses strikes the rock. But now, I want to let you know what, is the, what the problem is with that. Okay, so many people look at that and go, one act of disobedience, oh my goodness, like Moses just disobeyed God once and God's so angry and he said, you know, Moses, you blew it, one chance, all over, you're not going in. I think that's completely wrong and I'll explain to you why I think that now. Because that picture, you can't see it, How, that's, that's my fault. That's a picture of Mount Nebo um, in Jordan, which is where Moses died. And when you stand on the top of Mount Nebo, you see just how painful it is for Moses as well when you have a clear view of the entire promised land. You can see Jericho just right at the bottom. And so he's there spends 40 years bringing these guys out of Egypt to, to die on a mountain where he goes, that's where, that's it, it's right there, they're, they're there, and, and yet he can't go in. Um, so, let me take you on this journey. The first point you need to know about, about how, you know, what, leading up to this, this point of the story is the call of Moses. Okay, in Exodus 3, God calls Moses and says, go, heard the cry of my people, take, I've called you, go take them, lead them into the promised land, okay? But in uh, Exodus 3.16, God says this, He says, Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, say, say to them. God calls Moses to speak. That was the very call upon Moses' life. God said, go to the elders of Israel and speak. And in Exodus 3.18, it says, The elders of Israel will listen to you. It's very clear, it's very simple. Moses, God says, Moses... Go speak to the elders, speak to them, and they will listen to you. But Moses is this man full of fear, full of doubt. And he says, but God, and he tries five times to get out of this call of God on his life. And he, and he, just, and he, and he tries to wrangle his way out. And he says, but God, uh, you know, um, what if they don't listen to me? Even though God said, the elders of Israel will listen to you. Moses says, God, what if they don't? So it's doubt, it's fear. And God says, okay, well, what's that in your hand? He says, it's stuff. He says, Take the staff and, and these are the signs you're going to perform to make it happen and make them believe you. But you've got to understand the staff was not necessary. 
The staff was not needed. If, if Moses hadn't listened to God and said, okay, I'm going to go and speak to the elders and they're going to listen to me, then he wouldn't have had to say, but what if they don't? And then the staff wouldn't have been needed to be an option because the call of God on his life was to speak. God said, go and speak. And that's the very thing that God uh, wanted him to do. And isn't it funny, the very thing that God asks us to do sometimes are the very things that make us scared, the very things that sort of frighten us, the very things that go, oh, but I don't know, how can I do that? I'm, you know, and as we'll see in a second, Moses continues to make excuses. And if you still can't see that, that uh, God has called Moses to speak, let's have a look at uh, chapter 4, verse 10, and we'll just read a few verses here to see the other excuses that Moses makes to God. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I'll teach you what to say. So even in his fear and doubt, God's saying, Just go and do it. I'm going to help you. I've called you to do this. I'm with you. You can do it. Step out and and do it. And then Moses says, um, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And he's run out of excuses. He says, stuff this. God, just send someone else. I don't want to do that. And then says the Lord's anger burns against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and his uh, heart will be glad when he sees you. So uh, you shall speak to him. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. And then it says, I'll help both of you speak and I'll teach you what to say. So even when God gives um, Moses Aaron, he still says, I'm going to help both of you speak because Moses, I've called you to speak. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this stuff in your hands so that you can perform the signs with it. So off Moses goes, he finally gives in, says, no worries, off I go, go and deliver the people. Um, and it's, I, I just love that, that even though he's full of doubt, God is there and God is helping him in his journey. And uh, God has called him to speak, but, and, and we see in that that even though God has called him to speak, even though he's fearful and doubtful, God is still going to get him to the place where he's going to do what God called him to do. He's not going to be able to get out of it. Even when he gives him the staff, which is for me a sign of fear and doubt, even when he gives him Aaron, he still says, I'll help both of you speak. Go, take the staff if you need it, lean on that a little bit until you get your faith up, go and speak. And so they come out of Egypt and, and the Red Sea, the staff, bam, and psh, splits, it's all happening. Um, after that, it comes to, um, if you turn with me to uh, jot this down, chapter 17, verse 5 of Exodus. So the staff, all of a sudden Moses is stepping out in faith, Moses is going for it, he's using this staff that God has anointed to help him in this time uh, for him to step out in faith. And so he's hitting the Red Sea and it's parting. And then we come to a, play, a story that is almost identical to the one we read in Numbers when Moses was told he wasn't going to be the one to take them into the Promised Land. And it says in chapter 17, verse 5, this is the first time this happens. The Numbers one is the second time. It says, The Lord answered Moses. Again, they don't have water. They're complaining. They're whinging. They're carrying on. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you at the rock at Horeb, strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. You're starting to see this. Moses struck it because you see at that time this staff is the thing that God's helping him for faith. 
It's Moses' faith. It's Moses' thing of saying, yeah, I can do this with God. That is Moses' faith right now. And God says in his time of need, yes, yeah, strike the rock. You're not ready. You're not ready yet. You still need more faith. Strike the rock. So he strikes the rock and water flows out and it's all happening. So he's hit the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts, hits the rock, water flows from it. The next passage uh, in Exodus describes the Israelites fighting the Amalekites. And if you remember the story, Moses has to hold up the staff. And as long as the staff's held up, then the Israelites win. As long as the staff is lowered, then the Amalekites win. And so the staff's held up and Aaron and uh, her, is it, I think, uh, come and hold up his arms to help him out because that staff is the power of God in their, in their camp right now. And so that victory's won. So you see all this happening. You see Moses stepping out, starting to step out in faith with that staff. And it's all happening. But then God appears to Moses to give him the Ten Commandments and everything changes. Everything changes at this time. Uh, Exodus 19.19, which I don't think I have up there, says this. Moses spoke and the voice of God answered. Moses spoke and the voice of God answered. And so when the voice of God answered, there was thunder, there was lightning, there was the sound of a trumpet and the people saw it and they freaked out. And guess what the people say to Moses, which is just absolutely incredible. Uh, In Exodus 20, 19, it says, the people say, Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. See that? It's not just, all of a sudden, it's a call of Moses coming out. It's the people saying, you know, God will make us be in situations to do what he's called us to do, whether we like it or not, and, and in ways we won't expect. And he'll cause us to step out in faith and we'll have no choice. See, Moses isn't the go-back-to-Egypt guy. He's not the go-back-to-Egypt guy. He's the, oh, all right. So all of a sudden, he spoke. And when he spoke, the voice of God answered. And when the voice of God answered, the people said, Moses, you speak to us. We want to hear you speak. And so all of a sudden, Moses is thrown into this spot where he's walking in what God's called him to do, where he's starting to, to reach this point where he will speak and he'll step out in faith and do it. And so, you, you know, you see, if you, if you go home and read the rest of Exodus, the book of Leviticus, probably not the whole lot because it's, unless you're doing the Bible through the year thing, that's maybe all right. But I always, I always start the Bible through the year and I always stop at Leviticus. But, um, but there's some good things in Leviticus, don't get me wrong. If you read the book of Leviticus and then even the, and the first part of Numbers up until 13 and 20 as we read there, The phrase, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, is all over the place. It's just all over the place. And you see Moses stepping out. You see Moses speaking. Aaron still speaks at times and they speak together at times. But the majority of the time, Moses is speaking. So Moses is is, is, is stepping out. He's doing the stuff. It's all happening for him. And so it's so good. You know, I love Moses. Although my message sort of may seem to to focus on the fear and doubt side of Moses, I still think he's such a man of faith. Such a man of faith and, you know, I could, God's taken me on a journey of, of Moses' life for the past probably three or four years, sort of taking me on this journey myself to say, because I was a man much like, like Moses and, and still need to be, you know, the one to go step out in faith. I, was, I can't do that, God. I'm fearful and fear-driven, but God's taken me on this journey, the same journey to say, you're going to do what I called you to do. So Moses starts speaking. So now, I'll cut a very long story short for you uh, so I don't have to uh, go into the whole thing. Now we go back to Numbers 20. 
And now we read it with that in mind, okay, with, with the call of God, with uh, Moses going and the staff being fear and doubt and him stepping out and hitting, but then now walking the walk and actually speaking. If can we actually, can we go back to that, Jezza? Is that all, is that all right if we go back to um, Numbers 20? And um, sorry to throw you out, mate. But the first part of Numbers 20 is God says to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the community, speak to the rock. You getting it? Take the staff that you've been relying on. Take that old mindset. Take that, 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 that opportunity to go back to the old ways, but step out and speak to the rock. Step out in faith. Spirit of faith. Let the spirit of faith rise up in you, Moses, and speak to the rock. So Moses is here and he's got the staff in his hand and he's got this thing of, God, you've called me to speak and, and God said, speak to that rock. And he's, and he's here, as I think we all are at times, we have the choice in front of us. Do we go back to our old thoughts and mindsets? Do we go back to our old ways of thinking, our small ways of thinking? Or am I going to step out and am I going to speak? Am I going to be bold? Am I going to let faith arise in my spirit? And am I going to speak to that thing or am I going to go back? Am I going to revert to how things used to be? And Moses strikes the rock. So what we have here in this passage is not a, uh, a one-off disobedience that God in his anger decides to punish. What we have here is a man who God has brought to a place to take these people into a land that, require, that requires the spirit of faith. And so Moses stands here because I'm telling you, you're not going to miss it. God doesn't punish you. It's never too late for you to step out. But I'm telling you right now that if you're going to move forward into your best life in 2011, if you're going to move forward, and as Jilly was saying before, if you're going to be at a different place this time next year, if you're going to move forward instead of backwards, because really you're, not, you're either, don't mistake moving for moving in a circle or moving backwards, if you're going to move forwards in your world, if you're going to go to a place of greater faith, of greater impact for the things of God, then you're going to need the spirit of faith to rise up inside of you to get you there. Right? Um, see, the, the, the promised land has giants in it. It has, op- it has obstacles. It has challenges. Can I tell you, those things aren't going to fall over. They're not just going to get out of the way. These things don't just say, oh, well, you know, Luke's coming now, so I'm just going to get out of the way of him. Or oh, Andrew's coming now, and oh, look, better just let him grow his business and step out into things that I've called him to do. These obstacles need to be overcome. They need to be removed. The obstacles in your world need to be removed by you. With the God in you. Not God doing it for you. With the God in you, by you, by your words, by your faith. You need to take down the obstacles of giants in your world in 2011. They're not going to move by themselves. Maybe you need to, like I need to do, pray more. Maybe you need to get a schedule happening where you're up early and you're praying, you're speaking over 
your circumstances. Maybe you need to do a daily Bible reading and read Leviticus in somewhere in that and, and, and use the sword of the Spirit to break that down. But ultimately, it's a shield of faith. It's a spirit of faith that will get you into your promised land. You see, the only two people out of the whole generation of Israelites that moved into their promised land were Caleb and Joshua. Millions, millions of people that God desired to be here. God called every one of them to move into their promised land. And they were a bunch of complaining, doubting, whingers. Good people, I'm sure. But they had no faith. They had no faith. It was Caleb and Joshua that entered in when the, when the report went out in Numbers 13. Go into the land, spy it out, check it out. And the ten brought back the report, my goodness, the giants are big. It's too big. Uh, we can't do it. You know, yeah, it's great. There's, there's milk and honey, there's fruit, there's, you know, there's all this stuff. But man, the, those giants are massive. We're like grasshoppers, they saw us the same. But Caleb and, and Joshua come back and it says there was something different about uh, Caleb and Joshua. It says they had a different spirit, spirit of faith. They had a spirit of faith that they saw the opposition, they saw the giants and said uh, in, in Numbers 13, verse 30, if we've got that up there, it says they came back and silenced the doubters. They said, stop it, what are you guys doing? What are you guys talking about? And they said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. That's the spirit of faith upon your world in 2011. Spirit of faith speaks to sickness and says, be healed in Jesus' name. Spirit of faith speaks to dead wombs, like we heard last week about um, Dave and, and, and Kat. Speaks to dead wombs and says, no, you will bear fruit. Spirit of faith speaks to finances and says, and it speaks to poverty and says, be removed, prosperity, come. Spirit of faith speaks to the giants, slays them, by the spirit of faith and says, I'm moving into my promised land. I'm going to take this land. I'm moving in because the spirit of faith is rising up inside me, which I just think is really cool. And I think that is what God is calling us to do in 2011. You might have heard, um, I don't, I'm not going to speak for very long this morning. I'm almost done. You might have heard of a man named Lance Armstrong. In 1996, I've got a video of a press conference of him in 1996 describing... Uh, he was a professional racer, as I'm sure you know, a uh, uh, road cyclist. And in 1996, he was diagnosed with cancer. Let's see what he has to say about that. On Wednesday, October 2nd, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. The CAT scan revealed that my condition has spread into my abdomen. <laughs> For now, I must focus on my treatment. However, I want all of you to know that I intend to beat this disease. And further, I intend to ride again as a professional cyclist. Simple. I love that last part. But I want you all to know, I intend to beat this disease and I intend to race again as a professional cyclist. And in case you didn't know, he went on to win the Tour de France seven times uh, in a row. Okay, uh, world record. What was the next closest? Like three or something? I don't know. That's just incredible. That's the spirit of faith. That's an illustration of the spirit of faith right there, saying this is what's going on. But guess what? I want you to know that I intend to beat that thing and I'm going to go into the promised land of my world. You know, why don't we stand? If we can get the band, um, that would be great. And if we can, can we bubble that My Best Life? part, that'd be cool. Um, you know, right now, in 2011, I just think at the beginning of the year, there is no better time 
to make a choice like this than say, you know what, I'm moving in. I'm moving in. Let go of the disappointments of 2010. Let go of the failures of 2010. Let go of the circumstances of 2010 and, say, and make this a declaration saying, 2011 is the year of my best life. Because that's what you're a part of. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's what you're a part of in this church. This is where we're going. This church is going to be in a better place at the end of this year than it is right now. This church is going to be in a bigger place, a place of more faith, a place of greater influence this time next year than it is right now. That's where we're going. And I'll tell you what, as you come into that and as you step into that, that's where you're going as well. And I just want to make a, you know, a declaration together this morning that 2011 is our best life. That 2011 is a place of us moving forward. It's a time for us to move forward as individuals, as a church, so that we can say to our giants in our world, be gone, be removed, I'm moving forward. So let's pray for a few moments as uh, this, as the band, you know, lifts that up. And let's just play. Let's start to declare over our world. Now let's start to speak to our, the giants in our world and start to declare that we're moving forward. Not ask God and cry, God, can you do it for me? Because he's in you right now. And he's placed a faith, the gift of faith in you that it may rise up and that you can use it to overcome all things and move into the, the day of destiny in your world. So right now, let's just start to declare that 2011 is a year of breakthrough. That 2011 is a year of moving forward. That 2011 is a year of greater things. Why don't you close your eyes and lift your hands right now across this place. Let's everyone do this right now. Close your eyes, lift your hands. Come on. God, right now we stand together as a church. We say 2011 is a year of increase. 2011 is a year of breakthrough. 2011 is a year of individuals and the church going into the promised land of our world. God, right now we speak to every giant represented in this room. God, every financial giant, every relational giant, God, every spiritual giant, we say, be gone in Jesus' name from our people. God, we speak to our giants and we say, spirit of faith, rise up, rise up in Jesus' name. God, we're moving forward in 2011. Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. So far from where we started, so free from the chains of the past, I'm moving forward Thank to the life that told me to stay in God, you're good. your pray really quickly again before I get Andrew back up here. God, we thank you, God, that you have given us the victory. God, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. God, that you have given us the victory already. And God, that you have placed within us everything we need to step into that in this year. God, right now I pray that your spirit of faith would rise up in the hearts of everyone in this room right now. Spirit of faith would rise up and that we would know, God, that there is nothing, God, that can separate us from your love. God, there is nothing that can keep us back from entering into the fullness of the life that you have called. 
And so God, right now, we say, fill us up with your spirit. God, give us that spirit of faith. God, to overcome giants, to conquer opposition. And God, to inherit the promises that you have for our world. God, we give you the praise, give you the glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Thank you, Andrew. Wow. We get a huge round of applause to uh, Pastor Garth Ball, Spirit of Faith.